0: This report covers the period from September 1st to September 7th, 2014. Cisco will release the second scheduled iOS software bundled publication for 2014 on September 24th. Cisco has released the 2014 Mid-Year Security Report. In this report, Cisco offers data and insights into the top threat intelligence and cybersecurity trends for the first half of 2014. For more information, go to www.cisco.com slash security. Vulnerability activity for the period, shortened by the United States Labor Day holiday, remained consistent with previous periods. Highlights for the period include updated activity of the nuclear and angler exploits, the black POS malicious code activity, and advanced notifications for the Microsoft and Adobe September security bulletins and advisories. Researchers released updated details of the nuclear and angler exploit kits that have recently seen a resurgence of activity. Details of the exploit code were released in IntelliShield Alerts and are available on the Cisco Security Portal. Activity has also focused on the most recent versions of the Black POS POSRAM malicious code, believed to be involved in the POS compromises that are currently under investigation. Additional details about these malicious code and point-of-sale attacks are covered in the new Cisco security blog post, Danger at the Retail Point of Sale. For more information, go to blogs.cisco.com slash security. Vulnerability activity included new versions of Mozilla Firefox, Firefox ESR, and Thunderbird to correct multiple vulnerabilities. IBM reported multiple vulnerabilities in the Business Process Manager and DB2 and a new version of Splunk Enterprise was released to correct multiple vulnerabilities. In ICS SCADA activity, Advantech reported multiple vulnerabilities in Web Access products. Microsoft released the Security Bulletin Advance notification for September 2014, which will include four security bulletins related to Internet Explorer, the .NET Framework, Windows, and Link. The Internet Explorer advisory is rated critical by Microsoft, and the other three advisories are rated important. Adobe also released a pre-notification security advisory for Adobe Reader and Acrobat, also for September 9, 2014. IntelliShield published 135 events last week that included 81 new events and 54 updated events. These alerts are publicly posted on the Cisco security portal and users are advised to review these alerts to keep up to date with current malicious email threats. In the Attacks and Compromises Risk Management category, retailers and law enforcement organizations are investigating what appears to be a compromise of multiple point-of-sale systems. The compromises appear to involve the POS RAM, or the Black POS, software, which has previously been identified in attacks on major retailers. The malicious software is capable of capturing credit card data and sends the data to the criminals operating the command and control systems. The credit card data compromise was identified when multiple banks began reporting suspicious account activity that was traced back to retail activity. As these attacks continue and researchers from Trend Micro and Kaspersky are reporting that they suspect many retailers may be compromised, retailers and other organizations handling credit card payments should already be on high alert and closely monitoring their point-of-sale systems for signs of compromise. These types of malicious code and attacks are apparently being very productive, netting the criminals millions of dollars. While this high level of -of point-of-sale attack activity continues, individuals should continue to closely monitor their account activity and report any suspicious activity to the financial institutions that issued the credit card. Some financial institutions now offer text or email alerts and notifications for suspicious account activity. These features should be enabled to assist users in monitoring their account activity. Users should also use credit cards or the credit card option when making purchases, rather than debit cards, because of the additional protection provided with credit card accounts. In the Physical Risk Management category, September is National Preparedness Month in the United States and other countries are conducting similar awareness campaigns. This coincides in the United States with the peak of summer storm and Atlanta hurricane seasons, and the return of students to school. Businesses, families, and individuals are provided with a wealth of information to assist them in preparing for emergency and disaster risks for the areas on the websites involved in the National Preparedness Month activities. The sites focus on preparation for these types of events, providing checklists and recommendations for planning, practicing, and testing responses for the various events. As with most events, the keys to successful response are the planning, practice, and drills that occur prior to an actual event. Businesses should perform regular risk assessments to identify risks and develop plans and procedures in accordance with local emergency services organizations. The second most important element is maintaining situational awareness to initiate a rapid response when necessary. While the National Preparedness Month activity focuses on physical events such as storms, fires, and hurricanes, businesses and schools must also consider related criminal events, which will require similar preparation. Next, in the Identity Risk Management category, Apple and multiple law enforcement organizations are investigating the widely reported compromise of celebrity photos from Apple iCloud accounts. Apple has released multiple statements on the investigation and the media has widely reported accurate and possibly inaccurate information on this compromise. While some have focused on the Apple Find My iPhone exploit prior to the iCloud compromise, the investigation has focused on the brute force or guessing of account credentials that led to the compromise of the photos. Apple has released statements confirming the accounts were compromised, but does not believe the accounts were compromised using an iTunes or iCloud vulnerability. The investigation indicates the compromise occurred through attacks on the authentication systems using brute force attacks, security question guessing, and possibly automated tools to siphon the content from the accounts. While this compromise reinforces multiple known recommended security practices, the media and social media reporting and discussion of the incident may be the bigger lesson learned. The reporting of this event by multiple outlets has been widely inaccurate, jumping to incorrect conclusions of vulnerabilities and exploits, and confusing Apple iCloud customers and users of similar cloud services. Apple, on the other hand, has responded to the event well, providing regular communications and updates as the investigation continues. Apple does require standard password difficulty in creating passwords, does provide two-factor authentication for some of its services, has identified some weaknesses it could improve, and has reported it will add alerts as an additional security measure. Cloud and service security can be very complicated, but most of the cloud service providers do provide the recommended security features and are continually adding new features. The other issue that needs to be addressed by these companies is that many businesses and individual users do not seem to understand the cloud, where their data is stored if or when it is backed up, and how the access and authentication systems across multiple services may be connected. The organizations could provide a much clearer, more consumable description of those services and what businesses and users should do to work with the companies to secure their data. On an interesting side note, 4chan announced a new Digital Millennium Copyright Act policy for the management of content posted to their site. In the Mobile Risk Management category, recent news has highlighted information released by ESD America that purports to map the locations of multiple fake cellular phone towers that are referred to as interceptors. Commercially available interceptors are marketed to law enforcement, local, state, and federal agencies with products such as the Stingray and Hailstorm cell phone surveillance devices. These devices operate by triggering every phone in range, including non-targets, to track cell phone users. The devices mimic legitimate service provider's cell phone towers and trick the end user's device to report back identifying information. Subsequent reporting pointed out that the use of tower to describe these interceptors is a misnomer. It is unlikely that the interceptors are actually deployed as physical tower structures. They are far more likely to be deployed as a mobile unit, as are the Stingray and Hailstorm devices, a laptop with dongles in a hotel room, or less likely but possible, and aerial platforms such as the Wireless Aerial Surveillance Platform. These devices are essentially cell phone repeaters that attempt to forcibly turn off the encryption in the user's phones. The information released by ESD America indicated at least 17 fake cell phone interceptors are in place across the United States, many near military and government installations. It is important to emphasize that these interceptors are not necessarily deployed as physical tower, nor are these devices available only for legitimate use. Although the commercially available devices are marketed primarily to law enforcement and government agencies, multiple do-it-yourself projects have demonstrated interceptor capabilities using off-the-shelf parts, from laptop-based mobile stations to aerial platforms built on drones such as WASP. These do-it-yourself projects can be built and deployed by anyone with modest technical skills and small budget. This is important to note because the identities of the operators of these interceptors are not yet known. Are unknown parties using them to conduct surveillance on United States military installations? Are these legitimately deployed interceptors for law enforcement purposes, or is this an indicator of something more nefarious? ESD America, which released the initial information, markets a secure cell phone device that was used to map the locations of the interceptors. The device may be cost prohibitive for the average user, however, it offers an interesting glimpse at the security features available for cell phones today. Vendors may take note of these features and users may want to look for them when making future buying decisions. Finally, in geopolitical news, relegated to the back pages of NATO summit-related news and overshadowed by plans for the establishment of an Eastern European Rapid Reaction Force and vows to take on terrorist group ISIS, the NATO member states agreed to a new cybersecurity policy last week. According to a spokesperson, cyber attacks will henceforth be governed by Article 5 of the NATO Charter which states that an attack upon one member state will be treated as an attack upon all. The agreement, drawn up at a major summit in Wales last week, was skimpy on details. Reporters were told that NATO's new cyber policy will emphasize partnerships and the pooling of resources and experience among member states, the United Nations, and European Union. Separately, part of the new Readiness Action Plan will be a trust fund aimed at helping to quickly modernize Ukraine's military the fund will invest in C4 capabilities, command, control, communications, and computers, and cybersecurity, according to early press reports. Information security specialists looking for details of NATO's updated cybersecurity policy in coming weeks may be disappointed. NATO members have compelling reasons to keep it ambiguous. Put simply, defining cyber aggression and how to respond to it, in a way that all member states can sign on to, may take years, and technology will not stop for policy drafters to catch up. Moreover, NATO's cyber skills are not well developed, and member states with advanced offensive capabilities may not want to reveal them. For the time being, members appear to have agreed to define it as they see it and decide how to respond when the time comes. Inclusion of cyber attacks under the Article 5 umbrella may serve more as a deterrent to would-be aggressors than as a concrete, actionable policy, but it is a start. This concludes the Cyber Risk Report for this week. To read the full report, visit www.cisco.com go SIO and select the Cyber Risk Reports link. Tune in for next week's report from Cisco Security Intelligence Operations. Thanks for listening and stay safe.